Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of Business Growth Secrets. I've got an amazing guest here with me today that is really going to help us lift the lid on communication and listening skills. This uh, gentleman that's joining me, Julian, has over 150 million people he has directly influenced through his TED Talks. He's done a number of TED Talks and a number of TEDx Talk, and one of his TED Talks is the number six of all time. So we have a, a real expert with us today, and I'm super excited to hear from Julian about his journey. So the, my guest today is Julian Treasure. So I'm super excited. Welcome, Julian. How are you? You good? Thank you, Adam. Yeah, gl- glad to be here, and I'm very well. Thank you very much. Perfect. So really looking forward to learning um, about your journey and, and obviously how you got to where you are right now. And myself being a speaker... Um, understand the power of speaking, understand the power of communication very, very well. It's created some major, major changes in my life. And I think that for business owners, being able to get out there and use their voice is incredibly important. So I'm really excited to to hear your take on this. And I think it's going to be a really awesome episode. So thanks for coming on. Really where I want to start um, is start off by understanding how you got to where you are now, you, you've written multiple books, you've done multiple TED Talks, TEDx Talks, and you've really developed a, a big expertise in a certain area. You know, what did the journey start out for you? Like, how have we got to where you are now so people can understand? Because a lot of people are starting out, they don't know how they're going to get there, they don't know how they're going to do it. So it'd be really good to hear from you how it all started. Yeah, well, like a lot of entrepreneurs, it certainly wasn't planned from A to Z. <laughs> Definitely not. I started out as a musician, actually. Uh, so I was a drummer. I drummed in bands in the early 80s and made records and uh, did John Peel sessions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then got very broke, as you do as a musician. Most musicians do. Um, very few. <laughs> very few make it. And so I got a job selling advertising space for a magazine publishing company selling uh, ads in a computer magazine and went on to become an ad manager in that company and then left that company with a few others to start a new company. Uh, That was back in, what, 83, I think, uh, which was a new magazine. And we went through the whole process of starting a business and recruiting people and so forth. And then that got bought by a big American company. And I left in 88 to launch my own business which was producing contract magazines. That is to say, magazines that you produce for a client. 
So it's just like advertising, except it's in the form of a magazine and rather more um, interesting, probably, than a lot of advertising. Uh, it has to be high value content. So this is what's now called branded content. Back then, we called it contract publishing. And I focused on the computer industry, won a bunch of contracts, including Microsoft, which back then was a warehouse with about five people working uh, around it <laughs> in the UK. Uh, so it was a very different beast, still very big. Um, we grew with them and with Sun Microsystems and Apple, and then we won Orange, and it became kind of much broader, it went on to win Lexus and so forth. Uh, and that company grew quite rapidly. It was in the Virgin, Sunday Times Virgin Fast Track 100 twice in successive years as one of the 100 fastest growing profitable companies in the UK. And uh, I sold it eventually in 2003 to a big American marketing group, which was a very painful experience, I have to say. Um, and uh, I now would say that if you ask me what my regrets were in my career, that would be the one. Um, I sold that, uh, didn't do so well out of the shares, not through any fault of ours, but because there was um, there were irregularities in the accounts of the people who bought us. Um, and uh, I then launched a company called The Sound Agency, which was designed to bring together the two halves of me, really. The, the listening side, which, you know, that's what musicians do to the world. Uh, you know, if you're playing in a band or an orchestra, you have to listen in a multi-track, very attentive way. You have to listen to all the other instruments simultaneously. So it gives you this kind of attentive listening. And I had long realized the world doesn't sound very good. And then I'd had 20 yeah. plus years in marketing, dealing with brands, big brands, marketing communication, and customer experience in a way. And I realized that a lot of these brands had never thought about the question, how do we sound? You know, they have books, brand Bibles, which are huge, which are all about logos and typefaces and colors and so forth, not a page about sound, which is very strange when you think about it, because we experience the world yeah. in five senses, not just one. So I launched the sound agency to ask that question, how does your brand sound and provide some effective and profitable answers to that. And that was in 2003. Um, and so sound kind of really became my life. And it still is. Um, starting with the sound of organizations. And uh, I gave a TED talk in 2007, I think the first one was, no, was it 2009? Yeah, 2009. 2007, I wrote a book called Sound Business, which is all about using sound intentionally, designing your sound as, as just as much as you design the way your organization looks and every other aspect of it. Uh, and then in 2009, I got a chance to give a TED talk, which did quite well. It was called The Four Effects of Sound. Uh, and we can go into that, if you like, in a minute, the how sound affects us. Um, and I gave four more TED Talks in successive years after that and became, you know, quite, I guess, proficient at designing uh, for that format and delivering something of interest. Um, and as they went on, I started to focus on personal sound because it became clear to me that, you know, organizations mostly sound pretty bad because they're not listening. And that's what happens if you put a bunch of people who are not listening together in an organization. And it all came down to listening. So I did a TED talk about listening. That was my third one. Then one about 
a plea to architects to start designing spaces that sound as good as they look because they don't think about sound at all. They don't design for the ears. And then the final TED talk <laughs> was about speaking, um, which mm. is the one that went ballistic. And it's quite interesting, actually, that one, the one about speaking has had five times as many views as the one about listening, which says something, I think, about the world that we live in. So I'm right now, <laughs> uh, I'm engaged in writing a new book all about the wonders of sound. Uh, my second book came out about uh, two and a bit years, three years ago. And that was about communication skills. It's called How to Be Heard. And uh, I'm very proud to say it won both of the Global uh, Audiobook Awards, um, big awards in America for best business audiobook when it came out. And we recorded it up here in Orkney in a tiny little studio, which normally has a couple of blokes with fiddles and a baron. <laughs> so uh, it was very nice, uh, very, very gratifying to, uh, as a cottage industry, really, to make that breakthrough. So that's how I got to where I am now. And I'm writing a book all about the wonders of sound, which I've been commissioned to write by Quirkus Books. And that's coming out in March 24, give or take. Uh, and I'm having a wonderful time writing that. Oh, good. Well, it's good that you're enjoying it because it can be quite an arduous uh, task writing books, right? But that's good that you're enjoying it. So I've got so many questions, actually, from, from everything that you just shared. So many that kind of leap out on me straight away um, from... How do you get a TED talk? Because there'll be lots of people that want to do that, but we can go on to that a little bit later. I think the things that really stand out to me is that it seems that you found a, a niche um, in in your area, and and you really branded yourself and attached yourself to sound because you loved it, because you were passionate about it, and by attaching yourself to that you know, became the expert in it and started to build forward. Is, is, would you say that's about right? Was that purposeful, intentful? Did it happen by accident? Did you just follow your passion? What happened with that? Yeah, it was definitely following passion when I started the sound agency. Um, my first leap starting the magazine company, that was more rational because where I was working before, we had a couple of those magazines that clients were paying for us to produce. So I could see the model. And I just thought, well, this is this is potentially a huge market. And it turned out to be, I mean, it's now a billion pound market in the UK. And, and it's the biggest part of the magazine industry now uh, is, is paid for contract magazines. Uh, back then, it was very new. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes, I think it, it was a joy to me to bring together the, the listening side and the, the marketing side in the sound agency. Um, which you know is still a relatively small business. I've never put the energy in to grow that to the degree that we grew the contract publishing business, which ended up with offices in Seattle and Munich and um, employing you know 150 people and so forth. Um, I, I really enjoy working in a small business. I have to say, um, you know, there, there are stages. It's really interesting that you say that you didn't put the energy into the growth this side. You kind of done that with the first business. And then with your passion side of now building that passionate business, you hadn't grown it as much. I find that really, really interesting. Was that just because you felt like you'd been through the ups and downs before? And, you know, you actually, you were just saying you enjoyed working in a small business, right? Is that how that yeah. happened? 
Well, you know, there are phases as you start a business. So you start off working on your own and then you assemble a small team and it's like a family, isn't it? And you're all, you know, you go out to lunch together, you, you work in one small room together, everybody knows everybody. And the moment I think you get past about 12, it changes because when you go out to lunch, there are two tables now. There's the boss over there and there's the other people yeah. over there. And it, it, it is a different vibe, isn't it? Um, and then when you get yeah. past about, I don't know, somewhere north of 50, um, you start going, mm -hmm. who's that? Well, yeah, we, that's yeah. Fred. We recruited him yesterday. <laughs> and you, you kind of, it, it loses that intimate feeling of it being, you know, something that you have fashioned and that's got your DNA all through it, which is really important, by the way. I mean, it's very important to let go, uh, try and recruit people better than you are. So it's all moving upwards and let go, let go, let go, and just do the things you can do and, and bring together a great team. Um, but once you get past like a hundred people, you're into running a business. It could be making sausages. Uh, in my case, it was magazines, but I didn't get involved anymore in the creative side or the client handling side uh, very much. There were people doing that. And so it was all about accounts and, you know, governance and all that kind of stuff. To, to be honest, I can't stand that. <laughs> so um, I'm very happy being back where I was, which is really being front of house with clients, being very involved in the sound that we design for clients uh, and having a small team. It, the acronym I've got now for this company is, is an ironic one. It's VAST, which stands for Virtual Atomic scalable and team-based it's been virtual for over 10 years so really the pandemic didn't affect our way of working much at all we've worked from home for a long time using the tools and technologies that are available um, atomic means the center is tiny compared to the size of the whole thing you know an atomic nucleus the old analogy is it's uh, if, if you if the dome of st paul's is an atom the nucleus is an orange in the middle of it and that's the kind of um, power that you can get with a powerful nucleus and, and a team of freelancers. Uh, scalable means we're like a film company. We can flex up and down very quickly and team-based. Uh, everything has got to be about teams. Uh, it needs to be assembling teams, the, the right team of people to do the right job. And that's made much more flexible by having freelance composers so that we don't have a house style we don't, don't want to impose that on people. Transparency is very important to us. So what I, I, I reference, because I really want to say is how can small business owners start to think and use this within their business? I mean, I was watching a great program, actually. I mentioned this to some of my clients before. Um, called Undercover Billionaire, which was very, very reality-based, but there was lots of business lessons in it along the way. And one of the contestants on this Undercover Billionaire, it's the principle is a billionaire goes in and builds a business with $100. They've got to build a million-pound business within 90 days, right? And one of the ladies who was from a musician background, one of the first things she did was get into a studio and develop the sound of her brand which I thought was very, very interesting. Uh, you know, having watched that many times and, and all the other people have been on it, no one's ever done that, right? And it was interesting that she really wanted to develop that sound. Why should a small business owner starting out 
put some focus and attention into this area when there are so many other things. I'd just like to hear your take on, on that. Why do you feel it's a really important thing to develop? We, we, myself, we do have a sound actually for my business, my introduction videos, my podcast, everything is matched, you know, I, I, but I'm not saying that I've took that far enough. So, because I, I would imagine that I haven't based on your philosophy. So I'd like to understand that a little bit if we could. Well, first of all, I'm not sure I would recommend every small business owner has uh, invests time okay, and money in sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it totally yeah. depends on what you're doing. I mean, there are products where sound is very, very important. So, you know, if you're setting up to uh, to make motorbikes or cars or uh, something like that, the sound of it is probably very important, well, unless it's electric. But even there, uh, we're now <laughs> talking about electric cars having to make sound. There's um, rules coming in from EU to force them to do that because... Mm. They're dangerous at slow speeds. They're so quiet. Um, so it depends on how much sound matters in your business, I would say. I mean, yes, if you're podcasting, then it's crazy not to pay attention to it. If uh, I'll give you um, another example of this. I mean, take the human voice, for example, which I've spent a lot of time on now. You know, I coach people in speaking skills. I, I give talks to like a room full of 2,000 CEOs and senior managers. And I say, how many of you speak in public as part of your work? A forest of hands go up. Okay, how many of you have had formal vocal training? Five or six. I just, why? What is going on with these people? You know, if you're podcasting, if you're standing in front of rooms of people, maybe your team, your organization, maybe clients or prospects, and trying to persuade them and inspire them, your voice is a critical, critical tool. And yet so few people who use their voice in those very important situations have invested any time in mastering that skill. Well, that to me is madness. And it's the same with an organization. You know, yes, if you're going to podcast, yes, if you're going to be uh, putting videos on YouTube about what you do, I think any great brand is about consistency. And when I say consistency, that's not just over time, it's also across the senses. So whatever you're doing in sound needs to reflect what are the visuals that you're using? What's the, the, the brand personality? What are your brand values? You know, it comes back to being very clear about who you really are. And then simply asking the question, you know, if we have the values of uh, passion, excitement and, uh, and dynamism, well, then having, having a really laid, black, laid back soundtrack, you know, some dinner jazz behind a video is just not going to be right, is it? So it's about being Absolutely. consistent in using tempo and the kind of chords that you might use in music, in the right voice, the right pacing of the right voice, any sound effects you might want to use, soundscapes in branded spaces. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time at the sound agency designing soundscapes in places like shopping malls, right up to and including Mall of the Emirates and dozens of malls across the Middle East, where, you know, traditionally they've played really inappropriate canned music through lousy sound systems, which is just not a great sound. And it doesn't help. It speeds people up, actually, if you play fast-paced music and yeah. retailers want dwell time. They want people to slow down and stay there, uh, ideally, unless you're McDonald's, in which case fast-paced music, absolutely right, because people chew faster and leave faster, and that's what you want. So it very much, it, it's very much about being intentional and understanding 
the ways in which sound affects people and how important sound may be in your business. You know, if you're a firm of solicitors, then if you're marketing in a kind of traditional, subtle, understated, uh, quite urbane fashion, you probably don't want loud rock music on your website uh, or indeed any other sound. You might want to be just quiet and, and reserved. So it's about appropriateness all the time. Okay, love that answer. And I, I think there's some really good examples about how people can really use that. Um, what do you want to be known for? Match the audio and the sound to actually what you want to be known for, what you want your values to be and, and build it into your brand. So I think that's some great, great points that you've given there, Julian, absolutely. So why don't we talk a little bit about the TED Talk? Obviously, you're one of the most successful people i'd imagine in terms of ted talk history being that you've done multiple of them you've got the sixth best um what would you put that down to because you know success is never an accident did you do yourself did you do a lot of public speaking training did you get mentoring coaching um did you invest how much time money did you invest and, and how did the opportunity come around there's about 11 questions there for you julian <laughs> well you know, I, I started going to TED in 2003 when I sold my previous business and I happened to have a connection with Chris Anderson, the head of TED, because he'd been in magazine publishing as well. He started a magazine publishing company called Future and then sold it to, I think, Pearson uh, and then rebought it and then resold it. Uh, and it's now a hugely successful company run by a completely different bunch of people. Um, so I knew Chris a bit from from then and I went, you know, he said, I've just bought this thing called Ted, come along. And I went and absolutely loved it uh, because Ted is all about connections. It's about making connecting ideas. You know, the strapline for Ted is ideas worth spreading. And, and it's also about meeting people. Less so now, I have to say, you know, it's not a cheap thing to go to. And it used to be that mm. you'd stand in the queue. There's always queues at TED and you'd talk to the people next to you. What do you do? I'm, I'm just writing a book with the Dalai Lama. Oh, that's nice. You know, that's the kind of conversation you have at TED a lot of the time. Now people stand in queues and they're all holding a device and doing their email, which is, I think, very sad. Um, you know, it's a comment on modern oh, society and connection as well and <laughs> the effect of <clears throat> the effect of technology, particularly you know, using our fingers and our eyes all the time to communicate with people instead of speaking and listening, um, which, you know, if you think about it, we don't teach in school at all, which is mad as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, I mean, I have loved TED for a long time. And when I got a chance uh, in 2007 to pitch for doing a TED talk, I did. Now, you know, people misunderstand TED. They are always wanting people who've got something to say. But you need to understand a couple of other things. One, you may not sell. So you cannot go on to TED and just stand on a, on a stage and talk about your business and how great it is or your idea, <laughs> unless it's an idea worth spreading and there's a sort of altruistic benefit to people in understanding it. So it might be a new technology. That's fine. It might be a new idea or way of seeing things. That's fine too. Um, they're very uh, kind of focused on ecology if you like in the in the round what's good for humanity what's good for the planet what's good for uh, society and um, you know for kindness happiness well-being all of those things um, so anything that resonates with any of those is going to go down quite well the second thing uh, well the the two other things apart from you can't sell are first of all it's got to be an idea worth spreading 
So you have to have an idea that's going to move people from where they are now to somewhere else. And if you haven't got that, then don't try applying for a TED Talk. If you have got that, and it's really fascinating, then it's worth having a go. And the second thing is they will ask you to send them videos of you talking. Now, if you haven't done much public speaking, it's a big ask to get a TED Talk. You might be better off engaging with a local TEDx, which are the foothills of TED, you know, self-organized events all over the world. There are thousands of them, not run by TED at all, uh, where you can ask to do your talk. And if it's successful, they're all videoed, TED will see it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a feeder, if you like, for TED. Um, so it's got to be an idea worth spreading, not selling, and it's got to be well presented. You need to be able to talk. And to answer your questions about me, yes, well, by the time I did that in 2009, I'd been running a business for, you know, um, 20 years. And I had stood on stage. I'd been the chair of the, the Association of Publishing Agencies, a director of the Periodical Publishers Association. I'd stood on stages for, you know, hundreds of times uh, talking to audiences. And yes, I had taken that need seriously and trained myself in public speaking skills, platform presentation skills. Um, and I'd done several courses, you know, big, multi-day, very intense courses where you know, for example, you spend a whole day not being out, allowed to move your hands and speak to people and engage them. You know, that kind of very intense level of detail, how to design great content, how to use your voice, how to use your gestures, how to design, how to use stories, how to all that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, I had done a lot of training. So I guess the very first time I did a TED Talk, uh, then I was proficient in the skill of public speaking by that time which helps enormously. Um, and how valuable right now, was skilled? I'm sorry, say again. Sorry. How valuable a skill is this, Julia? I mean, I, I know how highly I value this skill. How how highly do you value the skill of speaking and actually I think refining? There's only one skill, actually, um, Adam, that I think is more important than speaking, and that's listening. <laughs> I think taken together... <laughs> Those two skills are absolutely fundamental in determining our outcomes in life, whether you're talking about in business or at home, in your relationships. I mean, what's the biggest complaint in relationships? He or she never listens to me. You know, our listening skills are shocking. We don't teach it in school. We don't talk about it in schools. And this is mad. We've been using complex language for more than 100,000 years. Writing only was invented four or 5,000 years ago. It's very recent. And yet it's taken over completely. You know, you've now got young people who are much, much more likely to send an instant message or a text to somebody than they are to engage with them face to face. It's less scary, I suppose, less chance of projection or, you know, upset or whatever it might be. But text has taken over so much. And, you know, email culture, uh, texting, instant messaging, all of this stuff has taken up so much of our time and engagement, we spend a lot of our lives head down looking at a screen tapping away. When I, mean, I think you could describe, you, you could do a job definition for a vast majority of the people in the Western world in two words, answer email. That's what most people do all day. And again, you know, I think we, we are losing so much. Your voice is an extraordinary instrument. It's the instrument we all play. 
And it is the most powerful way of engaging, inspiring, uh, and and building team and, and bringing people with you, which after all, as an entrepreneur is, you know, this is 101. You can't do much on your own. You need a great team. And if you don't have a great team, you know, you can look at what's just happened with that. Uh, it was at FTX, the company that's just gone belly up, where, you know, the guy put together, obviously, the wrong team and didn't have the right advice and didn't have people going, hang on, you can't do that. Well, you've got to have a lot of those people in business. You may not like them, but having people who sit around the board table and go, hang on, that's really important, I think. Absolutely. Well, usually I ask the guest, Julian, what's your biggest business growth secret? I think that's probably just been given, right? Yeah, Speaking communication, communication, absolutely. Skills. Understanding, yeah. you know, the, I mean, I have a whole course on this. It's seven and a half hours and I've written a whole book about it. So this is, you know, we're not even scratching the surface in the time we've got available today. But the most important things, if I just pick out a couple of them to understand, first of all, that speaking and listening are circular in their relationship. It's not a straight line. So the way I speak affects the way you listen. There's a dynamic here all the time. The second really important thing to understand is that everybody's listening is unique. So, dear listener, your listening is, a unique, is as unique as your fingerprint, uh, your irises, your voice print, because everybody listens through a set of filters that we develop through our life history, attitudes, beliefs, exp intentions, expectations, assumptions. And not only is your listening unique, but it changes through the day. We all know that. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're happy or angry or whatever it may be. So the critical question to ask is, what's the listening I'm speaking into? And the biggest mistake I see in communication from many, many chief execs or entrepreneurs is assuming everybody listens like I do. They do not. And once you get that, it takes your communication to a whole new level. Fabulous. Well, look, I've, I've loved the conversation, Julian. I think you've uh, dropped so many valuable points here for business owners. Really like the conversation around sound, but the speaking, I'm a big believer, big, big believer that if businesses want to grow, they need to use their voice. Um, they need to get out there, speak their message and communicate. I think it can differentiate them. So it's great to hear um, your points has been something that's been really successful in that area. Now, um, where can people get in touch with you, Julian, if they wanted to learn more about uh, the things that you've you've got to say around sound, around speaking, around communication? You mentioned to me earlier that you've got a great asset, I believe, on your website, juliantreasure.com. Do you want to mention that for us? Sure, yes. If it's about communication skills, then juliantreasure.com is a good place to go. And if you go there, uh, you can download for absolutely free uh, a 20 minute video where I pull apart that number six TED talk of all time with a top American speaker coach called Neil Gordon. And we're basically asking the question, why was it so successful? What did I do right? And there are lots of lessons in there for anybody who wants to deliver a powerful talk, whether a TED talk or any other talk. Uh, so that's yeah. available, juliantreasure.com. And you can also find out about my books and my course, uh, which is available online and so forth. If it's about business sound, then thesoundagency.com is where to go. And the sound agency is all about creating sonic logos, soundscapes in physical spaces, and uh, really designing appropriate sound for a business. 
been a wonderful guest. I've really enjoyed our conversation, uh, Julian, and I really hope everybody listening has been really, and hopefully they were listening, <laughs> right? Um, I hope everybody listening has is, is really understood some of the key points there, the speaking, communication, listening, aligning sound to your brand. There were so many uh, treasures in there, Julian, excuse the pun. So some great, great, great work there. Um, and if you've been listening today, of course, don't forget, share this podcast just take one moment move your finger to go and press the share button wherever you're watching and share this with a business owner uh, somebody that wants to become a business owner so they can grow too you know the podcast is completely free we bring these amazing people to you continuously because they've got a message to share they want to make the world a better place and just at the end of this podcast you can make somebody's life a, a little bit of a better place by hitting that share button and sharing this podcast with them thanks everybody and i look forward to seeing you on the next episode hi everybody adam here and i hope you loved today's episode hope you thought it was fabulous and if you did i'd like to ask you a small favor could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review of course i'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review we're putting our all into this podcast for you delivering you the content giving you the secrets and if you've enjoyed it please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps every single month i select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on itunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and i'll see you very very soon thank you